0: your favorite way to greet others? Do you like to give a high-five? Do you like to simply say good morning or good afternoon? And do you like to hug people? Do you like to give the fist bump? I I think it probably depends on who you're greeting, right? If it's family members, maybe you do give them a hug. Maybe if it's someone that you don't know, maybe it's a simply a simple hi. I know one of my favorite ways to greet others is uh, with a fist bump, especially our children in our children's ministry or at our Mother's Day Out program. I love to see uh, the faces of our kids uh, as I give them that fist bump. I say, blow them up, and, and then you, uh, they'll put their fist there, and, and you'll just see just kind of the sparkle in their eye. There's a young teacher, a fifth-grade teacher in North Carolina, Barry White Jr., Uh, that he would have an individual handshake for each one of his students. If you get a chance, you ought to bring his name up on YouTube, and you'll see the different handshakes that he has for each one of his students. He wants his students to know that they're loved, that he cares about them. And handshakes and greetings are not just something that's done in the United States, but they were also done in ancient times. And one of the uh, words that were often said was shalom. Peace, that was a a greeting that they would give. It'd be kind of like when us saying hi, what they would say uh, shalom, they would say peace. Now, peace is one of those words that encompasses wholeness. It it reminds us that in a chaotic world that things are going to be okay. What's interesting is a few years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, there was another word that was added to their greeting, and that's the word grace. They would begin to say grace and peace. And those two words are very powerful for us as Christians. We all need grace and we all need peace. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter one. 1 Timothy chapter one, we'll start looking at verse 12. It says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Verse 13, even though I once was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out to me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, and here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe in him will receive, or, and receive eternal life. Now to the king, king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And when we look at verse 13, we see Paul's thing beneath the thing. His thing beneath the thing, we've been in a series and we've been talking about this throughout the series. What is that thing beneath the thing? What is that thing that causes you to act in a certain way? Well, verse 13, it says, even though uh, Paul was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a a violent man, he was shown mercy. Those two words are pretty powerful. Even though, even though Paul was all of these things, he was shown mercy. I want you to fill in the blank right now. Even though I was, you fill in the blank, and fill in the blank, I was shown mercy. Even though I did this and I did that, even though I have this in my past and I have that in my past, or I'm currently struggling with this and that, I am shown mercy. And Steve Carter in his book, The Thing Beneath the Thing, which we're using as a, as a guide for this series, said, imagine Paul as he's greeting, he's greeting with these words, grace and peace. He said these weren't just a simple greeting, but these were words that he lived by. You can imagine he had tears in his eyes that he truly experienced grace and he experienced peace. If we look at verse 14, it says, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Notice the word abundantly. It's the only time that this word is used in the New Testament. And one way to think about this word is it's not just having a little bit of something, but it's having something that's overflowing, kind of like a waterfall. It, 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 Paul is saying grace is poured out on me so vastly it never runs out. It never runs out. Isn't it that comforting to realize that God's grace never runs out? That, that we have this grace that's flowing? Verse 15, it says, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, whom I am the worst. And Paul makes this confession. He's like, hey, you know what? I was a really, really bad person. And if Jesus can accept me, he can accept anyone. Christ came into the world to save sinners. I want you to put your name right here. Christ came into the world to save Ronnie. Christ came into the world to save Mike. Christ came in the world to save Mary. Isn't that comforting as well? That God gives us grace that he came into the world to save us. Brendan Manning, one of my favorite authors, had this to say about grace. He said, to live by grace means to acknowledge my whole life story. The light side and the dark. In admitting my shadow side, I learned who I am and what God's grace means. He continued to write in his book, Ragmuffin Gospel, he said, because salvation by grace through faith, because salvation is by grace through faith, I believe among the countless number of people standing in front of the throne, in front of the Lamb, dressed in robes and holding palms in their hands, he's referring to Revelation 7, 9, he says, I shall see the prostitute from Kit Kat Ranch in Carson City, Nevada, that tearfully told him of how, he, uh, how she gained employment this way to support her two-year-old. He says, I believe that I will see the businessman besieged with debt, who compromised his integrity in desperate transactions. He says, I believe that I'll see the insecure clergyman who simply preaches a message to, to make people happy. He said, "I believe that I'll see the sexually abused, uh, or that I'll see a sexually abused team molested by his father, now selling his body on the street, as he falls asleep each night, after his last trick, whispers the name of the unknown God that he learned about in Sunday school. He says, "But how? Uh, but how?" And then he says, the voice, then the voice says, "They have washed the robes and have made them white in the blood of Jesus." That's how. That's how we get to be in the presence of God, because of his grace, because of Jesus's blood being shed. There they are, there we are, the multitude who so wanted to be faithful and at times defeated and soiled their life and made bad choices are now wearing the bloody garment of life's tribulations and through it all clung, or cling to faith. My friends, if this is not good news to you, you have never understood the gospel of grace. I think that we will be surprised who will be in the presence of God. I think that we will be surprised that, uh, who will be there, because God's grace, He gives it abundantly. One of my friends, Aaron Brockett, uh, mentioned, he said, the law leads to obligation, grace leads to transformation. The law leads to obligation, grace leads to transformation, and when we look at Paul's life, we know that his life was transformed. He was a persecutor, he was someone who caused problems for the church, but then he became one of the greatest leaders. If you turn to 2 Timothy 1, 2, and he starts off this letter this way, he says to, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And These are words that he would say often, grace, mercy, and peace. We all need grace, mercy, and peace. Well, what I find interesting is if you turn over to the second chapter of 2 Timothy, he adds these words. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, don't be strong in yourself. but Be strong in grace. Now, what does this mean? As Some of you are are great about giving grace to others but you really have a hard time giving grace to yourself. Being strong in grace means being patient with the process of getting underneath the thing, beneath the thing. Sometimes it takes time, sometimes our wounds, sometimes the things that we're going through, it it doesn't just heal overnight, and it's being patient. It's realizing that sometimes we may even need help processing some of our pain and our hurt. Ann Graham was 17 years old and she was driving down the mountain in North Carolina from her home and she was driving too fast and she was driving and she crashed into her neighbor and after the accident she didn't want to tell her dad so she avoided her dad the whole day didn't want to say a word finally she comes in that night she planned on tiptoeing up to her room not saying a word to her parents her dad though was uh, waiting at the front door And at that moment, she realized she had to confess to him. She puts her arms around him and says, Dad, I'm so sorry, I crashed the car. She began weeping, she said, it was all my fault, I was driving too fast, I shouldn't have been doing that. And he had four, basically uh, four things to say to her. He said, first of all, I knew that you had crashed the car. Right after it took place, Mr. Pinkerton uh, came up the mountain and told me that you had crashed into him, and I was just waiting for you to tell me. Secondly, I love you. I want you to know that I love you. Thirdly, the car can be repaired. Now, it's just a car. It can be repaired. And then lastly, you're going to be a better driver because of this. And goes on to say, sooner or later, all of us will be involved in some kind of wreck. And it will be, sometimes it will be your fault and sometimes it will be someone else's fault. And when the damage is your fault, then there's a good chance that you'll be confronted by the blue lights of the morality police. And they will point out, oh, you messed up. and You messed up and you deserve this or that. But my father gave me a deeper understanding of what it means to experience the loving, forgiving embrace of a heavenly father. And he helped her understand grace. Did I mention her? Father was Billy Graham. And so we all have a choice. We can be strong in pride, or we can be strong in grace. We can be strong in defensiveness, or we can be strong in grace. We can be strong with our tongue lashing out, or we can be strong in grace. We can be strong with our outrage, with our anger, or we can be strong in grace. We can be strong in in our selfishness, or we can be strong in grace. L- let me leave you that with this. What do you need to let go of today so that you can step into more grace and peace? And then, secondly, reflect on your story of grace this week. How have you experienced grace? And how has it compelled you to show grace to others? We need to show grace to ourselves, and we need to show grace to others.